It's a new year. Every time we often talk about new beginnings and fresh starts. It's a time we ask questions about life, where we are, where we've come from, what changes we want to make, how we want to be different. And whether it deals with things like losing weight or exercise or finances or something else, aren't such questions really the basis of our New Year's resolutions and setting goals? As I was thinking about such questions, I remembered a list of questions I had seen some time ago that someone wrote that really have absolutely no bearing on life. They're just fun. Questions like, why is it called rush hour when your car barely moves? Why do they call it a garage sale when the garage is not for sale? If it's a circular driveway, how do you get out? And if a word in the dictionary is misspelled, how is anyone going to know it? How do don't walk on the grass signs get there? If toast always lands butter side down and cats always land on their feet, what would happen if you strapped the buttered toast on the back of the cat and dropped them both? Why is it that when you deliver something by car, it's called a shipment? But when you deliver something by boat, it's called cargo. Why does sour cream have a used-by date? You know how cartons say, open here? What are the chances of ever seeing one that says, open somewhere else? And if a 7-Eleven store is open 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, why do they all have locks on their doors? And then, if Superman is so clever, why is his underwear on the outside? (laughs) I read those, and then I began thinking about more serious questions. Questions like, if the only way we really can know about Jesus' life and teaching is the Bible, how are you ever going to hope to get to know him if you don't read or study his word? If communications is essential for building strong relationships, how do you expect to get closer to God if you spend so little time in prayer? If worship is for God and his pleasure, why does most of our efforts seem to be on making people happy and comfortable? If the gospel is good news, why is it so hard for us to tell other people about him? And if people are really lost without Christ, why aren't we making more of an effort to tell them? It's a new year. And rather than just keep doing the same things in the same way, which is going to bring the same results in our life, what are you and I going to do this year to make a difference so that a year from now, looking back, we can say we are changed, we are closer to God? Because in both Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 2, we're told that we are to grow up in Christ and in our salvation. And Jesus himself said in John 15 that our lives, that we are saved so that we can bear fruit in our lives that will last. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he used a really good metaphor to refer to life. He said it's like a building project, and the quality of the building is determined both by its foundation and the materials that are used, because both what we are building on and what we are building with are essential if it's going to last. What is our foundation? 
What are we building on? The building materials Paul talks about are our actions, our attitudes, our values, our faithfulness, our service. And some of us may be putting a great deal of effort into the building, using the best materials with the utmost care and workmanship, while others of us may be kind of sloppy and cutting corners, using cheapest and flimsiest materials possible. Most of us are somewhere in between. And someday, Paul says, the building inspector is going to come and check out the quality of our work and what we've done with God's Son. What's he going to find? Is it going to stand the test of time? And this being the start of a new year, it's a good time to ask, how is your life and your faith progressing? Are you building on a solid foundation with materials that will last into the future? The passage I'm referring to is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul begins that passage talking about the importance of the foundation when he says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how beautiful the house we live in is, or how expensive, or how much care has gone into it. If the foundation is bad, it's not going to hold up. And that applies to far more than just buildings. Whether it's a football team that must be built on the foundations of tackling and blocking, or educations built on the foundation of reading, writing, and arithmetic, or relationships, certainly our faith, it's true also, that no matter what the appearance, without a solid foundation, it's not going to stand up, especially in difficulty. Yet we try. You know, growing up in Southern California, I saw it's played out every few years in Malibu, which is a popular area for celebrities with beautiful multi-million dollar mansions. It seems like the sunshine leads some to gain a false sense of security and even carelessness when they build their homes on the sides of the cliffs. And every few years growing up, a major storm would hit the coast and you'd hear all over the news, someone's home is sliding down into the Pacific Ocean. The problem wasn't that they were poorly built or the quality of the materials. The problem was the foundation. It couldn't stand to the weather. Paul says, don't let that happen in your own life. You can build with all kinds of expensive and fancy things, be surrounded by your heart's desires, but when the testing comes, what's going to last? And by foundation, Paul's referring to those things that we really give our lives to, that give our lives meaning and purpose and value, the things we cannot live without that affect how we live and what we do. What's the foundation of your life. What determines what you value? What's important to you? What's right and wrong? What do you base your decisions on? The direction your life is heading? Your foundation is the very heart, the core of your being. And it can be material things. It can be building your life on stuff. Possessions or comfort or experiences. How much it'll cost striving to make it, to hold on, thinking that that's what my life is about, what I've accomplished. But like someone said many, many times, you never see 
a hearse followed by a U-Haul. It can be relationships, even family, that is the foundation of our lives, that we build everything around, a person, a wife, a husband, a child. But what if something happens to them? The loved one gets sick, passes away, the child grows up and moves away, and you're faced with an empty nest. What then? Such things are important, but only that which cannot change, which is permanent, is worth building life upon. And what is more permanent than the one who defeated death itself? A little later in Corinthians, Paul reminds us that eventually death itself will be swallowed up in victory. We can have a nice job, a loving family, friends, money, everything it can buy, but when the testing comes and judgment comes, what will it amount to if our foundation isn't on what's permanent? Is it any wonder that Paul would say each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any other foundation than the one which has already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. The solid foundation is what we celebrated this morning already with baptism. It represents the foundation, the new life we have in Christ Jesus becomes our rock that cannot be moved because he is, as the writer of Hebrews said, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Or as that old hymn put it so well, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Jesus himself said that's how life can be also. We can build them on things which can be attractive and costly, but if our foundation's not secure, what does it matter? He said, if everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain comes, the streams rise, and the winds blow and beat against it, yet it doesn't fall because it has its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand, and when the rain comes, the streams rise, the winds blow and beat against it, it's going to fall with a great crash. It's New Year's. What are you going to build your life on? What are you going to build to last? The foundation is central, but once it's laid, what materials are you going to use? From time to time in the ancient world, fires would strike a city, and it would envelop the major portions of it, especially hard hit where the areas where the poor and the common people lived, while the homes of the rich and the governmental buildings and the temples oftentimes were barely scorched. It was because the poor were the ones who built with what they could find, what they could afford, what was lying around, wood, sometimes hay or straw were used for the roof. It was a tinderbox ready to burn, But those who had the money and the resources used materials like wood or like stone and marble. Sometimes they would lay it with carvings and fine details with gold and silver and sometimes even jewels. Especially true in the temples because they believed God was worth your very best. Everything around these buildings might be burned to the ground, but they couldn't burn and would be relatively unscathed because of the quality of the materials that went into them. That's the image Paul uses as he continues when he says, if any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light 
It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. And if what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. But if it's burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. You might be saved, you might have the foundation of Christ, but without building your life upon him, without progressing in your faith and growing mature in Christ, what's going to last beyond the foundation? There's no connotation here in Paul's words about wood, hay, and straw being associated with sin. It's simply poor materials. There's only one foundation, but there's many materials we can build with. We choose the quality that goes into it. The things of less value are useless. Our things we give the Lord as leftovers, the hand-me-downs, time we don't need for other things, money we happen to have on hand that really doesn't, isn't necessary going through the motions in life, doing what we are supposed to do, but our heart's not really in it. You're building on the foundation through your actions, your priorities, your decisions. What does it mean to build a quality relationship with God? You know, there's all kinds of books and programs and motivational speakers and charismatic individuals telling you how to be happy at work, steps to freedom, breaking bondage, building happy marriages and all the rest. But in the end, you get what you pay for, quality costs. Building a quality relationship with God does cost us, which is why in Luke 14, Jesus said, count the cost. It costs to spend time each day alone with God in prayer when you could be sleeping in late or doing something else. It costs to be a good steward of the things God entrusts to you and to be break free of the bondage to possessions in our lives. It may mean having to wait a little longer to buy that new piece of furniture or electronic gadget or game because you know that God wants us to support what he wants to do in the world. It costs us to worship, to be with fellow believers. It may mean having to give up that football game and DVR it instead, or wait on the laundry and the chores or the shopping because God is seeking people to worship him. It's costly to share our faith. It may mean we're misunderstood or rejected. In some places, it may mean even persecution. It costs to invest in training and discipling others, passing on what the Lord has given and shown to us. It costs to invest in others, like our children even, to instill values and character in them takes time and effort because it takes away from other pursuits that we may like. It costs to use the gifts God has entrusted to us for ministry, to teach a Sunday school class or to get involved in a mission trip. Serving God is costly. But these are the type of things that the scriptures say repeatedly we must do if our faith is to grow, if we are to build a quality life in faith on the foundation of Christ. It's costly, but it pays huge dividends, not only now, but in eternity. You know, increasingly studies are coming out that show the benefits of faith. Recent studies are showing things like People with a deep-seated faith who take it seriously, who seek to live it out in their lives, are living longer with fewer health problems than those who don't have faith. They tend to be happier, 
more content with their jobs. Their marriages are happier. Overall, they express greater satisfaction with life because ultimately, it's only the things in faith that last. Remember, salvation was costly for Jesus as well. It cost him his life. What are we building our salvation on? You know, a squash takes only a matter of weeks to grow, but it quickly withers. It's a redwood that takes centuries. Building quality means we take seriously the call of Christ to follow through, to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him, he says. How much are we building with quality? At judgment, no one's going to say, I wish I had spent more time at work or made a few more dollars or watched one more TV show or one more cat video on YouTube. But they will say, I wish I knew God better. Discipleship is where it's all about for followers of Christ, building with quality. If baptism represents the solid foundation of faith, upon which we are to build our life, the Lord's Supper we are going to celebrate in a moment represents the materials we're building with. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me as a continual reminder of what I have done. Remember in the Bible doesn't simply mean to have fond memories of the past. When Israel was told over and over again to remember the mighty deeds of God as he delivered them, especially in the Exodus, the point of remembering was to keep it before you, to keep it alive, to keep it active, to to relive it and to let it form your life so that it affects everything you are. And when they forgot, it led to falling away. Are we building on that foundation of Jesus Christ with materials that will last, taking the time and energy necessary to grow our faith? If you haven't already done so, do you have a quiet time regularly where you're praying and reading God's word? Are you aware of the stewardship of the resources God places in your hands and entrusts to you for his work? Are you praying for opportunities to share your faith with someone this year? Or to invest your life in someone else, passing on what God has shown you? Quality is important, but it takes time. It's an investment, but it's worth the effort. Paul says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's spirit lives in you. And if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred. And you are that temple. And if we are God's temple, God lives in us, as verse 16 says. And if God lives in us, isn't he worth giving the best to? If being a Christian means being a follower of Christ, can you be a follower without following If being a disciple means a learner, a student, can you be a disciple if you're not trying to learn more about him? Jesus asked it best when he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you don't do what I'm going to tell you? And so as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, it's an invitation to remember what God has done in our own lives, the salvation, the foundation of Jesus Christ but to do in a way to remind us so that when we leave here, our lives will continue to be touched by him. Because he rose from the dead, we live with him, even as baptism symbolizes.
We take him with us. He goes before us. We celebrate his life as we live with him. 